0: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCatHome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Hey, everyone. Great to see you. And what a beautiful evening. Especially compared to last Sunday night, which was probably 20 degrees cooler. So, thanks for coming out tonight. This is a lot of fun. And it's so great to see so many faces, some familiar, some newer faces. If you're joining us from the cars, hey everybody in the cars over there. And, and then over on the live stream, I know we've got some people on the live stream right now. And, and I think the live stream is up and up and good right now. So, I know we were having some moments. And so, if people are texting you, Uh, We are on it, working hard on that. And so, I wanted to thank our Kids Zone Ministry team right now, and all the volunteers. Yeah, let's thank all the Kids Zone Ministry team who helped pull off an amazing event yesterday for our Kids Zone Drive Through Extravaganza. If any of you came out yesterday to that event, then if that was your first time uh, hearing about our church, then we want to welcome you again to OCC Orange Crest Community Church. We usually meet. At the Orange Terrace Community Center, where we held that event yesterday. But we've been meeting here in the evening since September, and we would love to meet you again. You heard, but there's some tents over there, and we would love to give you a free gift, a coffee mug. We'd love to meet you and just say hi. Also, if this is your first time visiting with us since September, uh, we've been walking through a book of the Bible called Acts. And so, before we ro- really jump into uh, this uh, morning or this evening's message, I've got some photos of the kids Zone drive through Extravaganza. And so here's just a sampling of some of the fun from yesterday. And it was, it was really exciting for families to drive through the Orange Church parking lot and hit these different stations. And I've just got a few. This is one that where the kids could actually uh, do the sort of pie in the face, the whipped cream in the face. And so we had some willing volunteers. Great costumes from both all the volunteers and also the kids that dressed up. And there's the crew that pulled it off. So let's let's give this crew a hand. I took my daughter, and I, I tell you, the, our, our kids' own crew just did a fantastic job. And so, as one of the parents who benefited from it, thank you so much, volunteers, for for pouring into the next generation here. So we've been in the book of Acts, which the book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. And it highlights the actions of Jesus' church in the first century. And so, quick summary so far. Maybe the kids. If you can help me out, kids. I've got some questions for you, and someone I'm going to have some questions up on the screen. Actually, here's our theme verse. We can all look at this theme verse. It's Acts 1-8. This has been the theme that really We we basically it's the theme of the whole book of Acts and also really helps paint the theme for this message series And so it highlights some of the structure of of this New Testament book the book of Acts. So Look at the theme verse. It says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and so this verse captures the whole idea of this Church Now message series, which we've been asking the question, what did the church do when it launched at its birth? And then what, and, and then can we see that happen again? And really, we believe that we can see movements of God with every generation. And so here's a quick summary so far. Chapter 1 in Acts, Jesus gave his followers this assignment, Acts 1.8. And this remains the mission and the assignment and the purpose of Christ's followers and of churches. So, kids, do you remember where Jesus went after he gave them their assignment in Acts 1-8? After he said this, where did Jesus go? That's right. That's right. He ascended into where? Into heaven. That's right. He's seated right now at the right hand of... ...of the throne in heaven. Okay, here's another question. The disciples needed to replace Judas, the person who betrayed Jesus. They needed someone who had been with Jesus the whole time that he did his ministry... ...and had seen him rise from the dead. They'd seen him, they were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus. So this is a really difficult question. So I don't know if anybody's going to know the answer to it. But I thought I'd ask it anyway. So do you remember the name of Judas's replacement... I think I heard it over here. Matthias. Did anybody say that? Matthias? Yeah, kids, can you say that? Matthias? Yeah, that was the name of a person who had walked with Jesus in his ministry and then had seen Jesus alive after he died on the cross. And they needed to replace Judas with someone who had those criteria. They'd seen him after he had died, he would seen him risen, and, he'd, and they'd walked with him in his ministry. Okay, let's go over to Acts chapter 2, another question. The disciples were were all together in an upper room, and a sound, it says, like a great, mighty, rushing wind came into the house, and there were these tongues that looked like fire that came and rested on each one of the Christ's followers, and God was giving them a gift that he had promised to give. Now, do you remember what what the name of the gift that the Christians received was? Oh, I think I heard it. It was a person. So, what was the name of the person that was given? The Holy Spirit. That's right. The Holy Spirit came. This gift from God is what we need to carry out this assignment that we've been given. Acts 1 8. This, this, this verse on the banner. We need the power from God to pull off this assignment. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have courage, we have clarity. We have power to be able to live for God and to be able to share this message with people around us. Now, kids, in Acts chapter 3, who remembers the names of the two men that God used to heal a man who couldn't walk? Peter and who? Wait, I can't hear you. Peter and who? Oh, thanks. Peter and John. Peter and John now who remembers what Peter and John said to heal this man who couldn't walk Can can you feel can you fill in the blank in the name of blank Oh you guys are you guys are on it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth Nazareth walk Okay kids one more question in Acts chapter 4 Peter and John were arrested and they were warned by the Jewish leaders not to preach or not to share any more about Jesus. And here's how Peter and John replied. I don't know if I put this on the screen. Acts 4:19 and 20 what Peter and John said is it's not whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God you decide for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and what we've heard. See they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They were eyewitnesses. So kids Here's the question, are Peter and John an example of fear or courage? Courage, that's right. They had so much courage. They were released from jail and then they gathered with the other Christians and they prayed as a group for even more courage to keep boldly sharing this message of faith and hope in Jesus. You see, following Jesus... Builds boldness and courage. This is true today. Following Jesus, it builds this in our heart, kids and adults. Boldness and courage. And so hey kids, thanks for helping us get all caught up. Okay? We needed that. All the adults here needed you to catch us up. So thank you so much. And in a little bit, kids, we've got a video for you, okay? So I'll let you know when that's when that's here, okay? So at the end of Acts chapter 4 we saw examples of deep sacrifice as people they shared with people who were in need and even deeply sacrificed for the sale of of land profits they made off selling their homes and fields and there were these people that just said here and they brought their resources financially to give to to the church leaders to help people in need and to help The church advance and move forward, which leads us to chapter 5 in Acts. And it's a really sad and sobering story about a married couple. Acts chapter 5. So let's take a look. Acts 5, verses 1 through 11. It says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Just like others had been selling property and bringing those, those monies to help the church, this man Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, this couple, they saw other people's generosity and they brought this money. And the implication here is that they acted like it was the full proceed of their sale. But it was only a portion. But they acted like it was everything. Now, Peter says, Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to people, but to God. You see, God was speaking to Peter, this church leader. that's how Peter knew this was a lie. This man, Ananias, his motivation was selfish. He actually wanted to he wanted the praise, he wanted the attention that others were getting that were deeply sacrificing. And Peter's essentially saying, "Hey, Ananias, you didn't have to give it all. Nobody forced you to do that." You you could have given it all like others had, but you didn't have to. You weren't required to. Remember, last week we we highlighted a man named Barnabas. His name was Barnabas, who gave from the proceeds of his land. This couple, they wanted the same kind of honor that came to those who were deeply sacrificing, but they didn't have the same substance in their lives. They were lacking that kind of character. This reminds me of a proverb, Proverb chapter 25, verse 14. Take a look, it's on the screen. Like clouds and wind without rain is the man who boasts of a gift he does not give. Let that verse, let that proverb sink in. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. You know, some weather systems look real and powerful, but just like this verse... This couple was lacking the substance. And Peter calls them out. So Acts 5 verse 4. He says, you've not lied to people, but you've lied to God. This is connecting a few things. One, the Holy Spirit, you know, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, he says earlier. Now he's saying, you've lied to God. He's equating the Holy Spirit to God because the Holy Spirit is God. One of the members of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And again, Peter's saying, look, you didn't have to give. This was not a version of Christian socialism. This was not everybody has to give so everybody gets something. No, that's why Peter actually highlighted it was yours to keep or to give. It's up to you. But what they did was doubly deceitful. And here's why. They wanted to profit off of the attention first. And then they also kept the profit from the sale on the side as a secret. And their hypocrisy brought you know, it brought them almost immediate consequences. So look, take a look, verse five. When he, Ananias, this deceitful man, heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up. They wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. Now, I don't know why God's judgment was so severe and so immediate. People lie to God all the time. Have you lied to God? I've lied. I don't know why the judgment was so severe and so immediate. But the Lord clearly wants a pure church. He wants a holy group of people, and especially in this early church, he needed, he wanted a group who was pure. And so he would remove sin from the church in order to purify and create something that was healthy to move forward. And this was an example of the seriousness of sin. And the description of Ananias' scheming leads us to think that he was likely hiding other sin. And it was spreading like a cancer. And so more than likely, things were piling up in his life. And this was just another thing. And sadly, it infected his wife's heart as well. And so verse 7, it says, about three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. She had no idea that her husband had dropped dead. Verse 8, tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. She decided to just keep on lying. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And instantly, she just drops dead at his feet, at Peter's feet. And when the young men came in, they found her dead. They carried her out, and they buried her beside her husband. This couple, they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to, you know, have... You know, their story told, but not for that reason. And you know what? Their story made a huge impression. Verse 11 says, Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. So we learn from this couple who claimed to be Christ followers. Here's what we learn. Don't play games with God. This is an example of God removing sin from the body so that he can move the church forward with purity. This is what God wants. He wants purity. Not perfection. If this were required, if God required perfection, then none of us would have any hope. But he wants a church who is purified, who's staying clear. Meaning when, God, when we sin, when God... Convicts us of our sin that we would confess that to him. That we would constantly remind ourselves, God, you're way up here and I'm way down here. I'm not on the same level as you, God. Your ways are far higher than my ways. He wants a church who is pure and who is humble. We need his word. We need to stay in step with God every day. We need to walk with Walk with God. And what God wants in his church is people who live within a set of boundaries. Here at OCC, we have a set of of practices. We call them the OCC heart attitudes. These are boundaries that help us to relate. And think of this story of Ananias and Sapphira. Think of the violations of the heart attitudes in this story. And I'll just cover three. But I at least see a violation with the first three heart attitudes. So look at violation of heart attitude one. Here's our heart attitude number one. This is what we... We ask people to commit to in the body for those who walk through our membership process. We say, will you put the goals and interests of others above your own? So Ananias and Sapphira, they tried to look like they were doing this. They tried to look like they were helping with the needs of the body and sacrificing. When all along, this was just a self-serving act. They just wanted to look good. This was really more about them. They violated that. Look at violation of heart attitude number two. We, We say... Will you live an honest and open life before others? And both of them were determined to lie and fake deep sacrifice to Peter and to the apostles. And then there's a violation of hard attitude number three, which is give and receive scriptural correction. Sapphira should have said to her husband, we can't do that. We can't pretend like this is everything. Let's just say this was a portion of what, of what we sold it for, because that would have been acceptable. But the fact that they tried to make it look like it was what others were doing at, the, at a deeper level of sacrifice was the problem. And he was, Ananias was sort of coveting the attention. You know, one of the commandments, the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. There's different ways we can apply what it means to covet. I want what they have. I want the attention that they have. And Sapphira should have said, stop right there. We can't do that. That's a boundary line. And she should have corrected her husband. She should have come clean when Peter asked her. And this is just really important. There's so many things when we read the Bible, we go, ooh, I need to take note of that. One of those things is husbands and wives, you know, you need to speak the truth to one another. You need to give and receive scriptural correction and have that commitment in your marriage. And when it came time to test this couple, this couple, they didn't get a letter grade This was a pass-fail test, and it was fail, and there was immediate consequences. And the story raises an important question. Should you ever test the Lord? Should you really ever test the Lord? There really is only one time in the whole Bible that we're ever invited to test God, and it's in the area of, of giving. It's in the area of money. It's something called the tithe. Around 500 years before Jesus came to earth, there were some of God's people who, who were not giving at the standard that God had set for his people. And so through a prophet named Malachi, God challenged his people to take a test. And here's the test. This is the only test we're invited to test God on. So here's what Malachi the prophet, God had him say to the people. Bring the full tithe, or the full tenth, into the storehouse which is a room in the temple, so that there may be food in my house. See, God's people were holding back what God had claimed a portion of. And God said, test me in this way. The test is, would God's people bring the full tenth and give it back to God as an act of obedience? This, he says, says the Lord of armies. So this was God speaking through a prophet to his people. And he said, test Test me in this and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now, this is a test of faith. Now, if, if I don't give generously like this, then what happens? Don't freak out. The consequences is not like Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, Ananias and Sapphira is a couple that was acting with pretense. They were fakers. They were lying. They, and this was premeditated. This is crazy dangerous to do what Ananias and Sapphira were doing. God will, And the lesson is God will not be mocked. He will not be fooled. There's no games. But the test here in Malachi is on God. If I give generously at a faith, obedience level, I get to see God come through in ways... I could only imagine. And if you don't believe it, you gotta take the test. And so I encourage you to build generosity into your life. Become a generous person. If you've never if you've never described yourself as a generous person, then become a generous giver, a regular, generous giver. If you already give regularly, then ask God to grow your giving until you become a full tither, someone who trusts God and gives a tenth. Of what you earn back to God. That's an act of spiritual maturity. And it, it, it is a major, major faith step in the life of a Christ follower. And you might think, wow, that sounds crazy to give like that. I always try to encourage people to try tithing for three to six months. And see what God does. To test God in this. And you've got to walk with God in other areas of your life and see what God does. But tithing is not a magic eraser for sin or disobedience, but tithing does bring the blessing of God. Now, let's hop back into Acts 5. After Ananias and Sapphira's story, here's what happens next. It says, many signs and wonders. Now remember, the whole church had a great fear come upon them after watching what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Verse 12 says, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's Colonnade. That's a place within the temple that they were gathering. It's a large area because the church was growing by a lot of people were responding. It says in verse 13, No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. People were added to the Lord in, in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. So people are yielding their lives to Jesus Christ. From 120 people who received You know, the assignment to now a multitude in the thousands. Think of the excitement. Think of the energy amongst the Christians. This movement that God said was going to explode from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, it's beginning to explode. You're seeing this growth. Verse 15, it says, As a result of this movement growing, It says, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Now, you can kind of get a sense that there was superstition occurring at this point. Now, there's no mention of a healing from Peter's shadow. So don't mistake this for people being healed by Peter's shadow. But what we see is just how convinced that the crowds were that Peter and the apostles had a power from on high, unlike anything they'd ever seen or experienced before. And people wanted to get close to that and bring those with needs close to the apostles. Verse 16 says, In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now, something I want to note, see here in verse 16 This is the beginnings of the movement of the message of Jesus into Judea, the region. Up until this point, it's just in Jerusalem. But now you see this impact going outside of Jerusalem into all Judea. So people from the nearby cities and towns are bringing their friends and those with needs to to the apostles. Okay, let's pause on this passage and, and we've actually... Hey, kids, we've got a video. Now, after the video, we've still got some more of the passage we're going to cover. But we're going to show you a video to sort of, again, catch you up with what's going on in Chapter 5. And actually, adults, what we're going to see on video is where we're going. And so it's going to cover the rest of Chapter 5. But I'm going to go back and comment through some of it. Let's take a look at the screens.
0: Stories of the Bible. The Apostles and the High Council. These are the apostles. Hello. They followed Jesus during his time on earth. See ya. After he went to heaven, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be their helper. Then the apostles spread the good news about Jesus everywhere they went. The apostles performed many miracles and healed the sick. They met regularly in the temple in Jerusalem, and many came to believe in Jesus. All this made the Jewish high priest and his officials very jealous, so they arrested the apostles and put them in jail. But an angel of the Lord came in the night and opened the gate of the jail. The angel told them to go to the temple and tell people about Jesus. Got it. So at daybreak, the apostles went to the temple and told people about Jesus as the angel told them to. Meanwhile, the high priest and his officials called together a meeting of the high council. They sent the guards to bring the apostles out of jail. But when they went to the jail, they were gone. Wait, what? They returned to the council and reported that the men were gone. Guess what? Then someone arrived and announced that the men who were in jail were standing in the temple, teaching people. Go get them! The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles. Come on, ew. They brought them before the high council. The high priest said, We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Um... Yeah, Aww. but Peter and the apostles said, "We must obey God rather than any human authority." They told Jesus' story that he was raised from the dead after they hung him on the cross and that now he was in heaven. They told them that Jesus did all these things so that people of Israel would turn to God and be forgiven for their sins. This made the high council furious. <laughs> and they decided to kill the apostles. But one Pharisee named Gamaliel stood up <coughs> and ordered that the men be sent outside the council for a while. Then he warned his fellow Jewish leaders that killing the apostles might bring more trouble than good. He advised them to leave the apostles alone. Oh, good point. The other Pharisees saw his point and accepted his advice. They called the apostles in and had them beat up, But they didn't kill them. They ordered them to never speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. The apostles left the high council happy that God thought them worthy to suffer for preaching the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah.
1: So that gives us a summary of, again, the book of Acts up to this point. So with all the commotion and the rapid growth of the church, it made the other religious leaders furious to see the church exploding like it was. And to keep hearing that these men, these Christ followers were sharing that Jesus, the one who died, had risen from the dead. So take a look, verse 17. It says, Then the high priest rose up. He and all who were with him who belonged to the party of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were a wealthy group of of religious leaders. They didn't believe in life after death. They, they were used to having all the power and have the, the crowds following them and listening to them. So they were really threatened by these apostles. And so it says they were filled with jealousy. And so it says they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. The apostles are back in jail. And I remember before, they were in jail in a previous chapter, and they were let out. And here again, they're in jail, but as you saw in that video a moment ago, they're, they're released. And so in verse 19, but an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night. It's like the original in and out. I know that's kind of corny, but I jotted that down in my in my journal this week. Also, I haven't had dinner yet, so I'm hungry. But they're in and they're out. An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, verse 19, during the night, and brought them out. And the angel said, Go and stand in the temple. Don't go hide out in a cave. Don't go to the countryside so no one sees you. Again, go to the temple and tell all the people or tell the people all about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So here in this chapter, we see evidence of a few things. We see evidence in chapter 5 of a supernatural cosmic war that's going on. We see people earlier who brought their sick friends and those people who were tormented by the enemy, tormented by spirits. And so we see people coming and experiencing healing and freedom from, from evil because that's what the enemy does. He works to hassle us. He works to mess with us. He works to deceive and trip us up. But also what we see in chapter 5 is we see that God's holy angels minister to us. They guard us. They assist us. Us. They, they help us. They deliver us. And you see that in chapter 5 where you see the interaction of both the unholy angels and the holy angels who are coming to aid in the deliverance from prison of the apostles. Now, I remember first being exposed to this idea of this cosmic war when I was a kid and probably like almost a early teenager. I remember seeing this picture about a father praying for his child has anybody seen this before it's an old picture it's i I don't remember what the artist's name is but if you look at the picture and then the if you look above the father here's the next slide above the father yeah you see an angel there fighting off an evil one you see there's a war in the supernatural realm moms, dads, friends, this life is a spiritual battle. There are things that that as we pray, as we walk with God, God is working to to help us, but we also experience a fair amount of opposition when we're trying to make progress. And we experience the opposition while while we take and buy up the opportunities that God has said, I want you to do. I want you to make your life about advancing my kingdom. And as we take those opportunities, we experience a fair amount of opposition and challenge. And it's, it's helpful and comforting to know that as we pray, God sends aid, assistance, those angels that help and guard and minister. And one of the primary tools that the enemy uses to attack God and the church is he he aims to stir up leaders and those in authority to try to block the work of God. This is one of the ways that the enemy works. He's trying to stir up leaders, those with the power, so that they would punish the church, try to threaten the church, try to silence and block the church. Because the enemy doesn't want to see God's mission and assignment in advance. And that's exactly what we see play out in the end of this chapter is, The enemy stirs up the religious leaders there in Jerusalem who oppose the progress that's being made of the disciples or of the apostles. Look at verse 21. When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites. They sent orders to the jail to have them brought. Remember, they think the apostles are in prison. But when the high priest and the associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail. For the for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find them there. And so they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Remember, in and out. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. And then someone came and said, Look, the men, someone... A messenger comes and says, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple right now teaching the people. At that, the captain, the captain of the temple. This is, he's the second in command. The most powerful religious authority was the high priest. The number two was the captain of the temple. Oftentimes these individuals would become the next high priest. So the captain of the temple says, You know, he he he's like, I've got it. I'll go and find out what's going on. So he went with his officers and he brought the apostles. It says they didn't use force because they feared that the people would stone them. What this goes to show is the size of the crowd who were curious and leaning in is truly exploding. Christianity is, it's exploding at this point. Verse 27, it says, after they brought them in. They had them, the apostles, stand before this council, the sanhedrin, and the high priest asked didn 't we strictly order you not to teach in this name whose name jesus didn't we didn't we warn you to not teach in his name? Look, he says, "You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to make us guilty of this man 's blood of jesus blood Now here we see one of the limits. Of following legitimate authority. Peter and the apostles. Replied. We must obey God. Rather than people. This is the same Peter. Who only months before. Denied Jesus. After seeing. Once he saw the risen Jesus. Once the Holy Spirit empowered the church. This is Peter boldly saying. We must obey God. Rather than you. Peter's saying, we've been given this assignment and we can't stay silent. He's saying, we're Christ's witnesses here in our region and in neighboring regions and in every direction to the ends of the earth. And make no mistake, if you're a Christ follower and you want to remain faithful to our Lord, you're going to have moments of your own just like this, where the pressure is on to try to silence you. To get you to give into fear. To get you to give into embarrassment. To get you to, to be silent about your beliefs. There's no way around this. And what a privilege to be on the same assignment as these apostles. You see, this hasn't changed. This was their marching orders. This is still the marching orders of the church. We must obey God rather than man. And Peter continues in verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to the high, to his right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Peter says, we're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom, is God, whom God has given to those who obey him. When you look at every sermon in the book of Acts, it's the same theme. It's death of Jesus, resurrection of Jesus, repent, meaning turn, turn around, stop going your way, and turn towards God, and then yield. Obey, your, obey the Lord. Yield your life to Him. That's the same message that you and I have received. We've inherited that, and now it's our role to pass it on today and to the next generation. And for now, in our country, for now, we have this freedom To be able to share this faith, this living hope. Let's not waste this opportunity that we've been given to share our faith. In some parts of of the world, it is illegal for people to share about Christ and to preach about Christ. And so others in other closed countries, they can really identify with this story much more than any of us really can. But if you've enjoyed the religious freedom that we've experienced since the founding of this country then thank God for that freedom, pray for our country, engage. If you haven't voted, vote on Tuesday, and then raise your voice to protect our religious freedom because this is something that is sweet that we've been able to enjoy. But do not be surprised whenever we experience a clash of values as the world around us threatens to silence the church this happened back there it continues to happen this is what the enemy does he stirs up those in authority to try to block the church and whenever that occurs take peter's example we must obey god rather than people always go with god's word always set your loyalty firm don't expect that you're going to experience heaven on earth because this is not heaven And oftentimes we get so disappointed that it's not heaven yet. And I understand that. And I'm longing for that experience to be with God without the the struggle and the sin and the challenges and the opposition. But Jesus told us, look, do not be surprised when there's opposition here. And what Jesus said is, look, I promise I'm going to be with you through it all. Look at how this story ends. Verse 33. When they heard this... The authorities heard this response from Peter. We must obey God rather than people. They were enraged and they wanted to kill the apostles. These guys were so angry, so furious, so jealous that they were ready to take the apostles into the courtyard to stone them. That's what they would have done. Verse 34 says, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people... This is a high-ranking Jewish leader, probably the highest and most well-known of that day, Gamaliel. He was Paul's mentor. He was trained by one of the most famous rabbis. He, was, he had the most influence in those days. And so whenever Gamaliel spoke and said, hold on, everyone, he had the clout. He had the influence so that everyone stopped and they listened. Gamaliel He stood up in the Sanhedrin and he ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. And he said to them, he sends the apostles outside and he tells his fellow Jewish, the Jewish council. He said, men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. He says, some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody. This is a person who lived around 83, between 83 and 84 He said, some time ago, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about a hundred men rallied to him. He was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas the Galilean, he rose up in the days of the census, and he attracted a following. He says, so in this present case, I'm sorry, he also perished, and all of his followers were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, stay away from these men. And leave them alone. For if this plan or if this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Some people actually believe that Gamaliel, maybe later actually, maybe he became a Christian because of his wisdom. And maybe because of the way that this is phrased. He's saying, look, if this is of God, we're not going to be able to stop it. You may be even found fighting against God. If this is from man, we don't need to worry about it. It's going to die off. It's going to go away soon. But if this is from God, there is absolutely nothing we can do to stop this movement. And it says, they were persuaded by Gamaliel. But unlike the time before, an angel does not deliver the apostles at this time. He doesn't seek, An angel doesn't secretly create a tunnel for them to escape to safety. Instead, it says, they got warned by the council... But this time they were punished. They were flogged. They were whipped. Look at Acts 5:40. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they released them. Now what is a flogging? And we're about done here. A flogging is 39 lashes with a whip. You would give someone for a punishable crime 40 lashes. So they gave them the just enough to not it's like thirty nine. It wasn't they didn't they hadn't committed a, a crime, and so they 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 whipped them thirty nine times. And usually they would give two thirds of those lashes on the back, and then one third of those lashes on the front. So think of how much pain they endured. And it says then after they flogged them, they warned them and they let them go. And do you think That this warning stopped the apostles from sharing about Jesus? You're right, kids. And with blood running down their backs, what did they do? Did they run and hide? Did they go to the doctor? Did they go complain about the punishment? Did they get angry with God? No. Look at verse 41. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing. Rejoicing that they had been... Counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. That's a powerful statement. And it says every day in the temple, out in the public, and then every day in various homes, in smaller groups for fellowship and sharing life, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully. On behalf of the name of Jesus Christ. You see God will always work. To advance his kingdom. Through bold and courageous messengers. Christians may suffer verbally. May suffer physically in the name of Jesus. Do not be intimidated in regards to living out your faith in Christ. What threatens to stop you? Embarrassment. Rejection from friends, from family, fear that maybe you won't climb the ladder at work. Trust God. Trust God to either deliver you in suffering or to comfort you while you're enduring it. We're to be counted worthy whenever we're to rejoice whenever we suffer for Christ. We've covered Acts chapter 5 tonight. Next week, we're going to look at Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7 together. It tells the story of Stephen. This is the first Christian martyr. And if you want to read that ahead of time, you can sort of begin to prepare and study up, and, and, and then we'll be looking at that text next week. But we, we are so glad that you're here tonight. If we can serve you in any way, if we can pray for you, um, please stop by those, this tent right here if you need prayer, right beside the screen. There's a prayer tent. Also, the connect tent over there is where our guest gifts are. But if, if you're here tonight and, and this is new to you and this story is new to you and you'd like to learn more, you'd like to talk to someone, uh, we would love, to, again, we'd love to pray with you tonight. There's a lot of different aspects that show up in Acts chapter 5. And so there's different segments from Ananias and Sapphira's story to the, to the way that the church was was caring for people and loving people to the way that they boldly and without fear just kept proclaiming about Jesus. And so we want to encourage you tonight to live with boldness and to live with courage. Men, we would love to see you at Men's Camping Summit. The deadline is tonight to sign up, and, and it's $20, and so we would love to see you there. Uh, Let's be praying obviously this is an important week for our nation Let's pray right now for our country for the election this week uh, And let's ask god to give us courage and boldness to continue to share About him Would you join me in prayer? Father we thank you for your word we thank you for The history of seeing the movement of christianity how it exploded from a small group of people to this, this giant movement, worldwide movement that it is today. We know that this mission and assignment is not fully done. It's not fully been accomplished yet. And so, God, that's why you've left us here is because you want us to join you in this. And for those that are here that would say, I, I, I'm, I'm going my own way in life, and, and I'm not yet a Christ follower, and I, I'm exploring, and I'm open, I'm interested. God, I pray that, that you would give us an opportunity to, to bring more clarity to those that need you, to those who would say, I, I'm, I'm stuck, I'm trying to make it in this life, but I just keep tripping up. and I'm not making progress and I need help. And Father, for those that need forgiveness from their sin and a leader that they can depend on, Lord, I pray that you would draw people to know you and give us an, an opportunity to share with more people in this community and in this region, God. And thank you, Lord, for giving us a space to meet. And Father, this this week is a very important week. Every time we have an opportunity to participate in an election, God, it's, it's it's just a privilege. And so we say thank you first for the privilege that that we have enjoyed in our country. And God, we just we trust you. We just commit to trust you, Father, through this week and with the outcome. God, we pray for the many issues that are on the ballot lord i pray that you would convict christ followers to vote in line with what your word has to say and so father please help us to spend if if more time is needed this week to prepare lord i pray that you'd carve out some time in our in our schedules lord to just continue to wrestle and to consider the many things that are at stake god And so we commit all these things to you. We trust you, Father, and we thank you again for this privilege that we have been able to enjoy. Um, Give us courage. Give us boldness, Lord, to live out our faith each and every day. And we thank you for this time. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at OCCathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.